0: Coming up on today's show, it's conference championship
1: weekend, and Joe is betting against Kyle Shanahan. Drink. Also, he's drunk. We're coming off the top rope with hot takes. I'll tell you why the 49ers could win if Shanahan gave me his play sheet on Sunday and why the Titans have a better chance of winning if they don't throw for 100 yards.
0: Top five head coaches, targeted beef, and why I'm taking Ray Farmer to the Academy
1: Awards. All of this and much, much more on the actually, really, no joking, this is serious Oscar-nominated Tomahawk Show. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show. I am your humblest of co-hosts, Joe Thomas. With me, as always, the other co-host, Mr.
0: (laughs) Andrew Hawkins. What's
1: What's up, up, everybody? How are you doing on this fine afternoon? You
0: know what? I'm doing good, man. Midweek, my schedule is slowed down. Things aren't as crazy. You always think that when your schedule frees up, you're going to get more stuff done. Never the case. You actually take more of a break. So, you know, now I'm in the, yeah, man. I've been like, when I'm in, my schedule is jam-packed. I actually get more stuff done because I'm already in that mode. You know, it's the old law of inertia, Joe. A body of motion stays in motion and a body of rest stays at rest. So that's how I'm feeling today.
1: Yeah, I, I always said that Kirk Cousins was a momentum guy, but inertia would make me sound even smarter, you know? You, yes. A guy that plays well for long stretches and then plays like crap for long stretches. But you are right. When you're in that, like, get stuff done mode, you can whip through the house and clean the whole exactly. thing top to bottom. You can get all the stuff that you need to do, emails, go through all your mail, get all your uh, office stuff done. But like when you got plenty of time, it's like, "Ah, I got plenty of time. I don't really have to worry about that stuff. And then you never get anything done. I'm totally with you on that. Exactly. Uh, Anyways, uh, if you want to interact with the show, there's many ways to do it. Of course, Reddit, Twitter, Instagram at Tomahawk show. That's all you need to know. Join the Facebook group, which is the Tomahawk, but everybody knows that the one thing you don't know, maybe it's the voicemail line. It's where we get to hear your Dual set Voices, 440-628-1376. The
0: voicemail line Please. is actually where we scout uh, potential co-hosts for the show. So we are listening yeah. to voices and and how interested, interesting and funny you are to potentially scout the next uh, co-host of the Tomahawk show. Mac- Mac- McNown say, is, in the, is in the lead right now. I'll say that. I will Josh McCown. I said McNown.
1: Those... Voicemails are always the highlight of my day because especially when something bad in Brown's world happens, we get the best voicemails, the most creative and sad voicemails, which always makes me feel better about my life. It reminds me of Mike Holmgren said that he loved to talk to Bill Parcells back when those guys were both head coaches in the NFL because Uh he said, no matter how bad my day was going, when I talked to Bill Parcells, he assured me that his life was 10 times as miserable. Everything in his life was going 10 times as poorly. And I always walked away feeling pretty good about my role in life and how things were going. So uh, that's the Tama hotline for me. Yeah. But I like as that. As always, don't forget, check us out on YouTube on Uninterrupted's YouTube page. All of our shows are available there. Sunday, we always record it so you can see Hawk's beautiful face and my. Less than beautiful face. No, you're you're a solid seven. Yeah, I'll take a seven. Se- seven's not bad. Seven it's like out of seven. On my scale, it's only seven. Yeah.
0: Everything is shorter with me, so I don't I don't go the <laughs> full amount with anything I do. <laughs> that makes perfect so sense. You're a, you're a perfect seven in my book, Joe.
1: Oh well, thank you, man. I, I'll hey. make sure to put that in my Twitter bio. <laughs> That'll really get a good one there.
0: You know what shocked me this week, Joe? Do you have an idea? Luke keekley retiring. Didn't see it coming didn't like even though he's had as much, you know, concussion concern and and every time, and I remember the one real scary one that he got and he was like crying on the field. That was some scary shit, Joe. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um and seeing him retire, and yes, he's one of the, the best linebackers of the last two decades. He should be a Hall of Fame player, went about it the right way, loved the game. But I'm not gonna lie, with Luke Keekly just as scary as that hit was, and watching him cry, getting uh, drove off the the sideline, I was just as scared watching his announcement video yesterday.
1: Really scared. What made you scared? scared?
0: Um, I don't know, man. Again, I, I think it's just he's a guy. He's a he's a he's a football guy. You know what I'm saying? And and we're all that way. And I know that's like cliche, but he's a dude that. I was
1: gonna say the the biggest cliche in the yeah. last ten years in the NFL is we need football guys. What, yeah, what is a football guy, like well, people that like football. Let me tell you, like Luke there's a Keekly lot of guys that like football. Is a football guy.
0: You know what I'm saying? His world revolves around football. You don't come back from what he came back from. You don't. I mean, in the video, he was emotional. You can and the, the thing that stood out stood out to me that was so scary about it was him saying, "I don't want to do this." You know what I mean? And that's the, that's a, that's a scary freaking place to be. Cause in my, you know, and it's funny cause we talked about the Marshawn uh, Lynch or maybe we didn't talk about it on this show, but everybody's seen the Marshawn Lynch post game after the playoff game and he's like, protect your mentals, protect your, your bodies, protect your chicken. And he's, rever- he's talking about money. He was saying a lot of guys that I play with aren't here anymore. That shit scares the hell out of me. Cause it's true. And not just the guys that aren't here, it's being around and seeing my former, teammates that are struggling and it's like it's easy to say oh you just squandered your money away or whatever because but the reality is a lot of guys didn't make that much money and it's not a reality for them to make you know whatever and a lot of it is the fact that you can't give up something that you've been you know accustomed to revolving your world around since you were eight so when I see that kind of video and I see him say that look dead in the camera and say I don't want to do this That scares me for what, you know, what that process for him letting go is going to look like.
1: Well, I think that brings up sort of the broader point, and I'm glad you teed it up as well as you did, As today's players in the NFL, like Luke Keekly, like Patrick Willis, like many of the other guys that have walked away perceivably before that, they had to, which mm-hmm. is typically, you know, if you go back 15, 20 years or 30 years, guys played football until they couldn't, until they got cut, until they didn't have it from a physical standpoint. Um, but you see more guys now that are walking away when they still have it physically because they have made more money. But that doesn't mean everybody's made the type of money that mm-hmm. you need to be able to live for, you know, forever without having to work again. Um, and so I, I think. It's actually really good for some players. You talk about the the few guys that are able to make 15-20 million dollars guaranteed, you can walk away and you never have to worry again. You know, after taxes you're talking 10-12 million dollars and as long as you don't just totally go Antonio Brown and just waste it all, you have no problem allowing that to keep you alive and your family happy and more than comfortable for 40, 50 years, um, as long as you're not crazy, silly with your investments. But Mm -hmm. the hard thing about football, and this is the hard thing about all professional sports, is that you train yourself to do one thing your entire life. Like Since I was in high school and through college and then in the NFL, I was training to be a football player, right? And it's a very lucrative profession. And if you can play it for 10 or 15 years, you have a chance to make a ton of money. But it's not like other professions, where you can do it until you're 70, 75 years old, or Mm -hmm. even into your 60s until you reach social security. And because you've committed everything to football, being a professional football player, you haven't developed any of the other sides of your life. You haven't gone for the most part to school, gone internships, done other jobs in the off season to prepare yourself for another career. And so once you get into the workforce, if you're 28, 30 years old, you're essentially starting where everybody else starts right when they walk out of college or right when they walk out of high school. So you're 10 years behind. And for An NFL player, let's say he's 28 years old, you've been at the top of your game, at the top of your profession for five, six, seven, eight years. And now you walk away, but you don't have enough of a nest egg to live forever. And so you have to start over. And that Mm -hmm. starting over is what causes a lot of pain and a lot of problems for guys because you have to humble yourself. You have to go get an internship and work for maybe a year or two unpaid. Or even if you do get a paying job right away, you're going from in the NFL to, let's say, making half a million dollars a year or $750,000 or a million dollars a year. To making $50,000. Yeah. That's a big transition to make. Because And most people aren't, aren't accustomed to that because most people in their working profession and their working life, they go from, all right, right out of college, I'm not making anything to, I got an internship, I'm not making anything, but that's okay. I, I don't have a family to pay for. I don't have all mm-hmm. these bills. And then now you're making a lower amount of salary. So you're making 30, 40, $50,000 at 22, 23. And you kind of work your way up until your retirement age in your sixties. And hopefully you're making the most money then. And yeah. so you never have to take that giant leap back, humble yourself and go from nothing. high earning to yeah. low earning or nothing. And so I think there's the mental side of it that guys really struggle with in addition to the fact that they're burning their money at a higher rate because they have been making a lot of money. And
0: you know, Luke Luke Keekly has made over $63 million. So I don't foresee money being a problem with him. No, it's not him. It's everything you're saying is, is, is spot on. Um, and I tell, I always tell guys, I'm like, don't look at the amount of money you make right now in this year as your salary. Right. Let's say you make $200,000 a year. Um, Spread that out over fifty years and that's what you actually make. Right? So you make four thousand dollars a year if you're making two hundred thousand at twenty two because this has to this is your job forever in a best case scenario situation. Um so but anyway, even beyond that, as I was playing and I got done with college and I had nowhere to play football and I was put in that situation where I couldn't get a job and I couldn't like nobody was you know, there was nothing exciting about my resume. Me playing at Toledo wasn't anything that was going to get me a job. And I was putting out interviews and I was driving to Michigan for internships and none of that shit was coming through. When I got back in the league, I was like, I'm not going to let that happen again. So that's why I went to school at Columbia. That's why I started doing a bunch of internships, networked, uh, started to build my credibility up in the workspace and the sports industry, wanted to learn as much as possible. And even then, Joe, when I got done, that shit was hard because it was an adjustment of life that I just, no matter how much I thought about it, and I thought about it the entire time I played, it was still an adjustment. Even now, there's still things that I adjust to on a daily basis when I get upset at somebody. I can't just say, meet me in the locker room, and let's work this out. That's not how the real world works. As much as I want to, as much as I'm accustomed to it, and I know it sounds barbaric, but it's just, we live living a transparent world. And even if I have that frustration, I can go on the field and take it out. Like, we will see you. On the field, we have pads on. We can work that out. Um, just little things like that, even now for me, are still, like, I'm still adjusting to. So for Luke Keekley, a guy who doesn't want to, and that was me wanting to leave. I wanted to leave the NFL. It wasn't like I was forced out. I had I wanted to leave probably a couple years earlier. And people said I retired early, And I was 32 with a prosthetic leg. And they were like, oh, man, you, you, you got out the game too quick. Luke Keekley was forced out due to injury. And it, it sounded like his family basically had an intervention with him and was like, hey, man. Because when you get hit like that, when that scary shit that you see on TV and you think that's all bad for the player when he bounce back, oh, it's okay. No. His wife, it's just like that. She goes through that hit. Their kids go through that hit. My mom went through those hits. My brothers went through those hits. My aunts, my uncles, my sisters stopped watching me play in the NFL the last three and a half years I was in the league because they couldn't stand sitting on pins and needles to see if I was going to get knocked out by somebody who was four times my size.
1: The hits that you take are worse on your family than they are on you. Because me, I'm willingly going out there. I understand that every time I put my helmet on, whether it's practice or a game, there's a good chance that I'm going to get injured in some form or fashion. You as a receiver, it's probably going to be you knocked out. They're carrying you off on a stretcher you're going to be not of sound mind and body right. for a significant length of time, which happened to you a couple of times throughout your career, yes. even with Cleveland. And I'm sure it happened beyond that. For me, it was a little bit different because you don't see linemen get knocked out as much. Cause we don't take those big uh, car crash hits to the head quite as often. Cause we're not exposed going over the middle like you are, and we're much bigger people. And so uh, our brains don't rattle as much, but we get the wear and tear injuries of the joints of the backs, the knees, the hips, the ankles, the shoulders, the elbows, like those are the things that blow up when you're on the field. And like my, my good buddy, Alex Mack, laying there on the field and he's pounding the ground because his leg is pointing in two different directions. Right. For us, we accept that risk. But our family, they get drugged along unwillingly. Exactly. They're the unwilling participant. Now, there's plenty of benefits, of course, from us playing football. But mm-hmm. they are the unwilling participant that shows up every day and doesn't really care if we win or lose. They just don't want us to get hurt. Yep. That's so true, man.
2: I'm curious how you guys think about your physical health now based on everything that's been talked about with CTE and a lot of players. I know from your generation and past generations getting addicted to painkillers. How is that? How do you guys think about that now as fathers who want to see their grandkids grow up? So there's a lot more
1: information right now available to NFL players, the science, the research around what football does to your body, to your head. It's so much better than it was. So we're making a much more informed decision and I think that's part of the reason you're seeing a lot of guys stepping away while they can still play because they understand the risks that they're taking. And one thing you need to know is that the older and longer you play, the more significant every injury is because here's how it works. It's uh, it's like a, a parabola for those math majors, right? Mm, that's a good word. Year one, nice. you get one injury, right? Okay. Inertia, parabola. That injury may get better. Okay. Let's say like me in college, I tore my ACL in college. All right. That injury is going to be healed, but it's never the same because you're always going to be dealing with the remnants of that injury. Like for instance, when I tore my ACL, I had cartilage damage. I had meniscus that broke away that they just cut off and it's Mm -hmm. gone forever. And you've got that damage now in your knee joint that every day you play on it, every day you walk on it, gets a little bit worse. Even though nobody sees those injuries, they're still there. So now that injury in year 1 is one injury, but in year 2 it's going to lead to two injuries. And then those two injuries are going to lead to to what's four injuries. Uh, Something like that. Two times two. Four. We're
0: good with words. Math isn't our thing. Then
1: you have four times four. So it's like a factorial. It's uh, 16 injuries. And so the injuries just keep piling on themselves because they never actually heal totally. And so by the time you're in year seven, eight, nine, you've got all these injuries that you've accumulated throughout your career that just keep getting worse and worse, even though you're still able to go and you know, slap some tape together and bandage them up, and get out on the field with some braces and some harnesses. You can play, but those injuries are always getting worse. That's why a year at the end of your career is ten times harder on your body long term than a year yep. at the beginning of your career. And I don't, I don't think people really understand that um, because even though you could be mostly healthy, you're not even on the injury report. Every player that plays 10 years has a significant amount of injuries on their body, and one extra year playing is significantly worse on your body, and it's only a matter of time before the leak springs somewhere else. It's like being on a boat and just keep plugging holes. You're going to keep plugging holes, but eventually those holes start springing themselves open, Mm -hmm. and then pretty soon you don't have enough thumbs to be sticking in all these different holes.
0: Yeah, Um, and I've had a nickel for every time someone told me that, we wouldn't have to save our chicken. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Um, So you talked about, like, the hits and, like, and being scared. I'm not going to lie, man. For me, it's just kind of a hope for the best. Like, you see the statistics or you see certain cases, and it's literally, like, I don't want to know. I'm just going to pray and hold out hope that I'm one of the cases that it doesn't go catastrophically bad for in the back end. And in the meantime... I'm just going to continue to try to develop as a person, as a human. You know, reach goals, raise my family. You know, enjoy my time with my family. You know what I mean? Because that's any of us. You know, John, you might walk out here and get hit by a bus, right? And it's like, if you didn't work in Hollywood, if you would have went and moved to Albuquerque, you probably wouldn't got hit by a bus. There's not as much traffic there. So the decisions we make, we understand that there's consequences too, and it, it could put you in that in that way. But the shit is scary, man. One, I mean you you have no idea what it's like coming to right unless you drink too much but coming to <laughs> at you know t- 12 a.m. at night <laughs> and everybody telling you what happened in your life for the last 9 hours cuz you have no freaking idea that is a scary waking up and in a hospital mm-hmm. and not know, and it's happened to me multiple times where i woke up surrounded by family that shit is freaking scary man it is, i'm telling you it's a chilling feeling and even thinking back, like the longer that time goes on, the more scary it gets thinking about the situation.
1: I Just thinking back briefly, the three scariest moments in my NFL career were when I was standing on the field watching things happen to other players. Uh, and just off the top of my head, I think you're probably two out of my top three scariest moments. Yeah. Uh, when you got hit when we were in St. Louis, mm-hmm. I forget who the big fat defensive lineman was. Fairly. Then. Uh, yeah, Nick Fairley, he totally cheap-shotted you, and you guys were running in different directions. He was like 350. You were like a buck 50, and I thought you were dead.
2: Mm-hmm. Then
1: in Pittsburgh, I think it was the last game of the year. Yeah. There was an interception, and then I don't know. I remember, was it Jarvis Jones hit you?
0: Yeah. It, it might have been. Uh, it was actually a couple of weeks after the St. Louis game. It was literally like – Yeah. Because that was the game that I came back for from a concussion. Yeah, and Jarvis Jones dead. left his feet right at the crown of my head. And I only know that because I've seen it on video.
1: Yeah. Uh, Cole McCoy getting hit by James Harrison. That yeah, was that was scary there. for all of us. I, I remember thought where was I was dead. at in that moment. Um, actually, another one with James Harrison uh, when he hit Muhammad Massaquah coming across yeah. the middle. This was kind of in the beginning of when the NFL was not allowed to sell big hits to its fans anymore. Mm-hmm. If you remember, I think they put it on, like, the cover of one of their magazines or something. It was where James is hitting Muhammad, and basically it looks like he's doing uh, – david copperfield magic trick and he's sawing him right in half i mean it was right. just a devastatingly gruesome hit on the field and actually in that game james took out josh cribs and muhammad massacqua uh two devastating hits like that but going back to to john's question i think i i think of it twofold one is as a football player you get beaten into your head to understand that I can't worry about things that I don't control or that are already done. And so the hay is in the barn with the head injuries that I sustained during my football career mm-hmm. now that I'm retired. Like it's already been done. Worrying about it is not going to make it better. I can monitor it. I can understand what I went through, what my brain has gone through up until this point, but I can't worry about it right now. And the other part of it, and I think this is how most NFL players should look at it, is I need to monitor the research understand what the NFL PA is doing, take that information and try to do everything I can from this point forward to try to help my brain and help my mm-hmm. body as well as I can. And I know one of the things that they talk about is continuing to learn, continuing to push your mind because your brain is like a muscle. It can grow, it can uh, heal itself, it can um, learn new things. And the process of learning new things keeps you fresh and can help keep that dementia, keep some of those... Uh, brain issues a little bit at bay you can help Mm. yourself by continuing to stay engaged and stay active and do mental gymnastics mental exercises um but also healthy lifestyle you know guys from the 70s and 80s a lot of guys that have significant issues and and some people could say that it was the head injuries that caused this but if you have a destructive lifestyle where you're uh, into drugs and alcohol and you have poor nutrition that is not good for your brain either Um, and so trying to lead a healthy lifestyle as well as you can, trying to keep your brain active, doing the mental gymnastics, trying to learn new things all the time, trying to challenge yourself. Those are things that can help, but in the end, the damage has already been done. And so all you can try to do is take the research and the science as it comes out and do the best you can moving forward and not worry about it.
2: There you go. If they developed a test, which I know they're trying to do to be able to detect CTE in current players who are alive, would you guys be interested in taking that test? Yeah, I would take it. Sure,
1: yeah. If it, it helps under you. one caveat,
2: one caveat though,
1: Hawk. Yeah, I need to know what that means for me. Yeah, because no, for sure, they're doing CTE studies on cadavers and and guys that have passed away, and they're saying, yeah, everybody has CTE. Well, what does that mean? Like, I understand CTE is the tau protein that develops in your brain after trauma and yep. and bad hits, but that doesn't mean that everyone goes crazy and and deals with uh, suicide, depression, alcoholism, violence, uh, all those issues that CT sometimes means. Mm-hmm. And so f- to tell me that, okay, you have CT, uh, you have tau buildup on your brain, unless I know what that means, I can't properly navigate how that affects my life.
0: Right. Well, I think Where, it's, what I should anything, do about it's it it's, it's a, it's a lookout thing, right? Where it does, you know, like, for instance, we're out in public and someone is like, yo, Joe, can I get an autograph? And then every time you go to lunge at that person and I stop you, Mm -hmm. right? And the times that we've been together and you go to punch the fan that asked you for an autograph, I'm like, Joe, don't do that. It would help give us a reason why that is happening.
1: Right. But it's so hard because causation is not always correlation. And that's where it could get dangerous. It's like, Oh, I really want to go and have a bender tonight with my guy Hawk because he's mm-hmm. on that Mountain Dew pizza high again. <laughs> yeah, and up on maybe Deuce, that's just baby. because maybe that's just my personality. Like how do we know that that has anything to do with playing 11 years in the NFL and 15 years of college in NFL football? Like well because we you wanted know. to and drink so, the Mountain Dew, yeah, your I nostril. think it's true.
0: That was just It has to weird.
1: be weird. It has to be You have to be a little bit careful. You have to be cautious with giving somebody that information because that could give you a reason to excuse behavior that might be totally unrelated. We don't know. And we don't really have any good answers at this point for, hey, you have CTE, you have tau in your brain. This is what we can do to make it better. It's like, sorry. So actually, now that I think about it and talk through it a little bit, John, I don't want to know. I don't want to take those tests until there's something that we can do to make it better well, if you they know, tell you me that's you what You can't I figure
0: out how to make it better until you can detect it, Joe. You understand that, right? Like, but I'm so we saying – say, I'm saying, We can't say here's your level of CTE and now we have a solution and, oh, look, we can measure it again and say it's getting better because – No, no, so, what I'm
1: saying – you maybe you missed my point. My point yeah, is maybe. I don't want to know if there's CTE and tau in my brain unless that I can do something to make it better. Yeah. If all they're going to do is say, yeah, you have CTE and Tau, then I fear that people, maybe even myself, would then use shitty things that happen in my life through no fault but my own as an excuse of, oh, well, that must be the CTE talking. Well, it might be. I think it could then talk. You could talk yourself into things like. So, for instance, my my mom, she walks into a room sometimes and forgets why she walked in. She forgets where her car keys are. Uh Uh-huh. But that has nothing to do with her NFL career because she had no NFL career. So how much of this is normal aging? How much of the things that happen throughout the course of a year or a life have nothing to do with football and brain injury? But if you found out that you had CTE, you would just be like, oh, it's over. I have no chance. I forgot why I walked into this room. I forgot my kid's birthday. Uh, it's over. I, I shouldn't even try anymore. Well, so I'm- give me a reason to know so that i can make it better and i'll find out well but if you can't make it better i don't want that on my brain all the time on my mind
0: yeah and but, but I, I think it's 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 two part number 1 your mom should have got the nfl looks that she deserved again i'm <laughs> i still think that's not cool and, and they were holding her back they kept it, telling her she, sure. she
1: could only play wide receiver and, and she wanted bullshit. to be quarterback
0: she she could have done anything she put her mind to um the other thing is just be great arm that Sally
1: Thomas. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Everyone talks about it. Wisconsin legend. It was
1: their athleticism. That was her downfall. They wanted you know, to
0: put her at receiver. It was that and sometimes she she, she sailed uh, out routes to the front side of the field. But I don't want to get off on a tangent there. Um she had a
1: hard time. She always threw the post versus cover one and cover three. It was <laughs> well, a mental block. She couldn't get I mean,
0: during it. that time though, the defenses were different and the D coordinators like they were used to, the West Coast offense was just coming yeah. of age. Um but anyway so uh, around R.I.P.
1: mom's football career the,
0: the the diagnosis um it it does def- help you define like yes you're right that might not be the cause of your mom forgetting her keys um but if you have some sort of baseline we can see how things progress and it will define right so what you don't want to do that's not
1: necessarily true there's plenty of people who've been given the diagnosis that they have CTE but they haven't showed any symptoms. It's not 100% uh, correlated with symptoms.
0: So you're saying just because you don't have all the answers, you don't want any of the answers. I don't think that's the
1: right way to think about it. We don't have anything that we can do outside of the things that I just mentioned, keeping your brain active, try to live a healthy lifestyle, to improve
0: wherever your brain is. Well, you can't make brain damage better, but you can figure out how to... You can improve how to live your life. There's conditions that people have to live with, right? But you do figure out, oh, this is you are at risk for this. You should do this here, right? This other thing might help you mitigate some of the symptoms that come along with this. Whatever your symptoms well, we don't have that other. Maybe, yeah, we do. There's other things we like don't. For, I'll give you an example: what is concussion. It? Right? There's you no give way to an cu- example. There's no way to cure a concussion. Okay. When I had my concussion versus Pittsburgh, the one we talked about earlier, um, I sat in a dark room for months. Light hurt me, and it, it's. I still to this day can't describe what the feeling was, but I didn't feel right, and that's not a description that anybody can take and say, yeah, I know what you mean, right? And the same with a lot of people who are suffering from issues with the brain. They don't know what it is. I can't tell you what I'm feeling, but I don't feel like myself. I don't feel right. Now, you, Joe, you may feel perfectly fine. And you may it may never affect you in that way. Just like a concussion. Everyone has different reactions to concussions. Where I might go unconscious and have amnesia for nine hours, the next guy might just see stars and be back fine. And it might heal different, like every injury. But when I went to the doctor in Pittsburgh, and his name escapes me right now, but he's a concussion like specialist and they ran all these tests to me and I had to be there. It was like 10 hours worth of tests. And we had to run the treadmill and we had to do all these like different things and cognitive and eyes here, eyes there. And I sat in a room for 30 minutes and then he came in with all the results. And as he went down the paper, he said, now this is what I'm seeing. You're doing, you're, you're probably feeling these three things, right? Yeah. And when you, and when this happens, you probably feel some version of this. Well, yeah, it's exactly what I feel. Well, here's why. Here's how your brain was injured. And this is what needs to happen for it to get better. Until that, you're going to always feel like this. Now, without you telling me, I bet that you feel like X, Y. And it was like it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I literally just had this conversation with another player when I recommended him to go see him because it is a helpless feeling to know something is wrong and not being able to define it. So regardless of whether you can get it fixed or not, for your own sake, because you don't know how that's going to affect you, you don't know how it's going to affect your wife, your kids, who are... or. People are thinking like, yo, daddy's acting different, but daddy has no idea that he's acting different. The people around you, if they're able to say like, oh, okay," I'm seeing something or the kids are seeing something or you might be able to catch things yourself and say, oh, I know what's going on with me. And this could be a possibility, whether it is or not, it's out there. So you have to be yourself. You yourself have to be trying to mitigate it. But your family around you can also do things and be aware of what's going on with you the same way that okay, you said. Okay, so that investing. makes sense.
1: So if you're having symptoms, to be able to find out why you're having those symptoms, that makes sense to me because I think then that would help you cope with the issue that you're dealing with, whatever that underlying issue is. But my question, I'll pose it back to you, is if you're not having symptoms, do you want to know if you have CT and tau?
0: A lot of times you won't know you're having symptoms. Sometimes you will. It's like a concussion, right? Like, when we talk about, oh, why did that guy go back in the game? Well, that guy is essentially drunk, and he's not operating under a normal like – So has if, no- if
1: you or your family member sug- suggest and suspect that you're having symptoms based on your football career, and mm-hmm. I could understand that potentially they could make things better and ha- give you uh, mechanisms to cope – By telling you, yes, this is a result of this tau buildup in your brain. And it's probably because of football. Mm -hmm. I could understand that. But let's just say kind of the question that John had was, should everybody in the NFL just go get tested? If you could test all the living members of the NFL, whether you were having symptoms and you realized it or your family members realized it or not.
0: Yeah, because you want to have the ability to say, okay, enough is enough. At least if you're if you're a current player.
1: Oh, current player, current player. I give you a little bit like as a current player, you want to know. So, okay. As it stands, but, I th- but here, but here's what, here's what I'll say though. I guarantee every NFL player right now that had played a contact position, you know, outside of kicker punter probably has some form of CTE and tau on their brain. Because if you look at the studies that they've done up to this point, and I haven't looked at it in a while. Yeah. And I want to, we obviously didn't prepare for this Not to cut you we, off, we, we, Joe, we but I want to be very
0: clear to the listeners don't take what we're saying as fact we are not neurologists we really have we, no idea like we read the same articles you have access to don't go repeat this to people as if we know what the hell we're talking about we don't this go read is, this real studies article if you want get real information me and joe are just having our conversation we're happy you're here joining us we're all family but we're we're, we're, we're sitting here idiots.
1: in front of our lockers in cleveland <laughs> yeah. ohio talking clear after a very difficult playoff practice as we get ready for the AFC championship game. Again, I am so tired of playing in January. It is getting exhausting. I just want to go on vacation. So also, the other thing is Luke Kuechly just announced his retirement today. And so this is off the cuff. And based on knowledge and discussion that I had uh, with NFLPA and with medical people from about a year ago so i'm sure that the technology has changed right. the understanding of concussions and how football affects the brain have changed in a year but as far as i know as of right now discussing the luke Keekley early retirement in quotes mm-hmm. situation this is live up to the second joe and hawk brain yeah, go
0: like you guys will be able to listen to us and, and probably diagnose us with whether or not we have CT. This is this and is all make any sense. This is impulsive. So we we're not, there's no preparation. It's like, hey, it's, man, let's talk as if we're experts about something. We give yeah. it almost no thought to today. All right,
2: let's do it. When Marshawn Lynch <laughs> said the thing about bodies, mentals and chickens. First of all, he said chicken and chickens, which confused me. Yeah. But then when he said chickens, plural, my first thought was, I wonder if Joe has chickens. Joe has taking care of them.
0: Ten cows. I know that. <laughs> Jody have chickens. Yo, No chickens,
1: but ten cows. Uh, Okay. Take care of your cows too. (laughs) Take care of your cows and your chickens. Take care of your cows. Since when do we say chickens is money?
0: Um, it's it's you know different. Everyone has different you know slang for money. Where out in Oakland, chicken is like yo, that's money. Take care of your chicken.
1: What about chicken heads? 'Cause I think that was a yeah, little that bit was different old school.
0: That's chicken. That's not a money head. <laughs> chickens not money is head. not like they're now separate, right? Whenever you add the head, it's like uh, you know, they're now two separate things and no longer connected.
1: Precisely. Go on yeah. a yeah. dictionary for that. Yeah,
0: one, and, and, and 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 young suburban white culture, being a chicken <laughs> is not a good thing. It was like, oh, you're you little what are you, chicken? You know, in the hood. Yeah. Where Marshawn is from, if you got chicken, you're doing all right for yourself, All right?
2: Yeah, I have so many more fan questions for you guys about just everything you guys are describing about like post-player life and just that perspective. But I think we'll save that for an off-season yeah, let's, show. Yeah,
0: that's, that's a perfect off-season show that we will devote every angle you can imagine to. And then that one we'll actually do research. Mm, let's maybe, get to, maybe, uh, maybe we can
2: get a neurologist on too. I yeah. think it might make for a fun off-season series to talk. There you
0: go. I know one. I know a good neurologist, well, Myron about? Roll. He's a player too, so we could do it on a Wednesday because Wednesdays are for the players. That's right. All right, well, let's get into some conference championship talk, man. We got a, a special, uh, you know, championship weekend edition of Three and Out. Three and Out. Oh, nice. A little scary, y'all. All right, so we got three football games left in this season. The best four teams remain. We got producer John teeing up three questions for each game. And at the end, Joe and I will pick a winner. John, get it started.
2: The Packers played the 49ers in Santa Clara in late November. The Packers had 198 yards of offense and the Niners won 37 to eight guys. Why will the Packers Niners game on Sunday afternoon be any different than the one we saw in late November?
1: Well, it's going to be different one because you're always better. The second time you see an opponent. And I always say that the game is usually closer. The second time you play an opponent, like in the NFL, you always play your division teams twice per season. The first time, especially if you're not real familiar with each other, if you've had a new coach or a new offense or a defense or new quarterback, it can get a little bit sideways because you're not that familiar with the ins and outs, but just like when you go back to training camp and at the beginning of training camp, it always seems like the defense has the best of the offense your offense and defense by the end of training camp typically are a little bit more evenly matched because you kind of know what that team or that uh, side of the ball does well. Mm -hmm. And you're able to kind of focus on taking that away and you just kind of know each other a little bit better. And I feel like that's, what's going to happen out in Santa Clara because the Packers got shellacked the first time it was not pretty. The 49ers got the best of them. It really started with the pass rush that the 49ers have. They've got those five studs up front that really gave the Packers a lot of problems, but schematically now the Packers realize like, Hey, We can't just let those jokers rush the passer all day. We're going to have to come up with different concepts. We're going to have to focus a little bit more on the run game. We're going to have to focus a little bit more on bootleg, play action, because we just can't stand back here and let Aaron Rodgers get abused. That's not the game we can get into. And so you start to develop a game plan that can kind of get away from something that you've proven you're not good enough to beat the other team at.
0: I'm going to say those are all really good points, and it's true. It's why division games are so tough to pick because these are teams that are so familiar with each other, not just over a season, over years. But I'm going to say it won't be because I actually think these games come down to the coaching because LaFleur has been with Shanahan drink throughout this entire kind of coaching experience in their careers, and I think Shanahan kicked his ass because he's taught him everything he knew. And Shanahan also knows how Mike Pettin thinks because he coached for Pettin. And there's a famous clip online of Pettin not wanting to throw to probably one of the best receivers to ever wear a Browns uniform. And Shanahan rightly being like, are you ridiculous? <laughs> we get down here, baby, we throw it up to our number one guy. And by throw it up, I mean through a double pick route to make sure I get my first touchdown of the season.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Hawk, have you ever caught a fade route in your entire life?
0: Um, have I caught a fade? Like, I just a like, straight like up end zone ball? Fade.
1: I'm not talking about, like, back shoulder, middle of the field. I'm talking, like, they threw it up, and you went up <laughs> and, and mossed somebody in the end zone.
0: Um, I think, like, once on a reality show, put a one-on-one. <laughs> that's not There's my Like, Ironically, when coaches are like, hey, we're going to throw you in a fade, I'm like, that's stupid. Let's figure out another play. Because it's not my thing. You just know your limitations. Like, that's not the thing that puts me in the best position to win. Um, But, yeah, I think the 49ers are still going to kick their ass. They're at home. Um, I I think a lot of these assistant coaches are PO. They didn't get some of these job openings. And it's going to all come rushing right at the Packers, who looked good last week versus the Seahawks. But I don't think the Seahawks at this point in the season are the team that the 49ers are.
2: That tees up our second question in our three and out. Hypothetical nonsense. If you locked both of these smart, young, handsome head coaches in a broom closet before opening kickoff, would either team gain an advantage?
0: Um, so if you, what, gave them like seven minutes in heaven? What are we talking about here? Like, no, I don't separate know. broom <laughs> closets. Oh, okay. They I'm can like, make out for the seven I'm like, what is that going to prove, John? Club? What the hell kind of question is this? I <laughs> mean,
2: oh, yeah, I know they're close, but I don't think they're that close. John All has
0: right.
1: a secret crush on these coaches, if you can't tell.
2: Hey, it's under- not a secret.
0: undercover, young, good-looking coach, Kevin Stefanski. Handsome dude. You he's gotta, got it. Got nice beard,
1: Very nicely. Lined. No
0: one wants to say it because he's with the brows, but you got to give the man. He's only thirty six. Former college football player, young dude has that like George
1: Clooney old thing that girls like sometimes. That's a good point. Like That's with you know, point. you think he lets Junebug like in a on daddy that beard? vibe? That that Is girls like Junebug line that baby up before the pl- press conference?
0: Huh? Oh yeah 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 definitely Junebug hit him off real quick.
1: <laughs> Make June- sure his shit was clean once he got up on stage. Do you know that Junebug is the only employee in the Browns facility that's still there from like from five Patton years <laughs> They've literally cleaned every single human being out of that entire building. Except the So barber. it leads me to believe that I think Junebug, the team barber, is actually the snitch. He's the one that keeps snitching to the media <laughs> all these different rumors. I'm we telling you, just it. watch out for that guy. We found
0: the anonymous source. Um, He's the anonymous source. Yeah, if you lock both coach, head coaches in closets and let the teams play, the forty nine or no the uh the Packers would win. Why? And Rodgers and and if the Packers do win, it'll be because I'm I'm not trying to hate on LaFleur because I think I think they're a perfect mix and I think what happens is everyone gets stubborn, right? Rodgers wants to run his offense a certain way because this is what I'm good at. This is what I've done. Every player gets to that point. Like, eh, Joe at one point was like, ah, I'm going to kick step the same way I've done for ten years. It's worked. If it's not broke, don't <laughs> fix it. Um, but what LaFleur has brought in is, you know that a different kind of approach to the offense that complements what complements what Aaron does and it opens a lot of those downfield the passes up downfield passes up for Aaron um, more than it has in the past and it is making it a little easier on him. The 49ers have a good mix of that. You know, LaFleur and Rodgers have been perfect for each other, you know, but when Rodgers if it just comes down to just players playing with no guidance it's Rogers. Right. And, and I would say the same thing about Russell Wilson. We said it last week, like, you know, those are guys who can call plays just as well as any offensive coordinator in the league for their teams, because they know it that much.
1: Here's the under the radar matchup that nobody's talking about. Mm. Do you know Hawk? It Mm. is the Mike LaFleur versus Matt LaFleur passing game coordinator bowl Mm. right now, because Matt LaFleur is the older brother of Mike LaFleur. Mm -hmm. former Cleveland Browns assistant offensive line coach when Kyle Shanahan was there and Matt LaFleur, obviously we know he's the head coach offensive coordinator for the Packers, but Mike now is the passing game coordinator for the 49ers. So not only does Mike Pettin know Kyle Shanahan's offense pretty well, but you got to think Matt LaFleur and Mike LaFleur know each other pretty well and what they want to do. Although
2: both of them did learn from Shanahan. So in the end, daddy's still on the 49ers drink. I read that head coach LaFleur wanted his brother and Shanahan blocked it. How do you it, was, it got real messy at Thanksgiving. After yeah, it's
0: was, <laughs> uh, yeah. it was. it it's been weird. It's been a weird year.
2: So I guess the nature yeah. of my question is how much of a head coach is – we agree that these guys are both great head coaches. How much of being a great head coach is what you do Monday through Saturday and how much of it is coaching the game on Sunday? 99.9. 9. The in-game
1: decisions are overrated because typically you see those big call sheets on the sidelines – those have everything that they need to know throughout the course of a game. And if you gave me Kyle Shanahan's call sheet and it was third and one in the game, I would look up third and one and there'd probably be four plays and all four of them would probably be scripted for success. And typically (laughs) they're in order. So yeah, you could see and based on your own personal experience and uh, coaching history, you can say like, oh, the game is unfolding a little bit differently than we expected. So these first two plays may not be the best on third and one. So I'm going to go with three and four. Yeah, maybe. But for the most part, like you're scripting that entire call sheet so that when it's third and seven plus, you can call any of those things and they're probably going to be just as successful as any of the other ones. And so uh, most of the work that you do as a coach, as a head coach, as a play caller, happens Monday through Saturday.
2: Hawk, you agree?
0: Yes, I do.
2: Third down, who you got? Packers at Niners.
0: <laughs> I'm going 49ers, like I said earlier. I think the 49ers get the W. Too good of a football team. Packers have done well, but the train stops here, Joe Thomas. Oh.
1: Well, I'm glad you did that because this is going to give me an opportunity to – crawl back into the race here because i'm taking the packers you know why because because you're a homer (laughs) just like i said the the first time you play an opponent sometimes because of the unfamiliarity you can tend to struggle because you don't really know the strengths and the weaknesses and how they match up quite as well and even though kyle shanahan drink is one of the best coaches in the nfl I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. The experience being in this situation before in his career, seeing that this is his opportunity to win one with Matt LaFleur, where you feel like you're truly a partner instead of being kind of an underling to Mike McCarthy and Mike McCarthy's offense. Uh, I just think that Aaron Rodgers is going to get the football late in a close game, and he's going to do Aaron Rodgers things that are amazing. And even though Jimmy Garoppolo really has played very well and he's a very good quarterback. I still like a close game, putting the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands and seeing mm. what he can do. I think he's going to come out on top.
0: What would sting more for Kyle Shanahan drink? The 28-3 comeback loss in the Super Bowl versus the Falcons as an offensive coordinator? Yes, you or don't even have to tell me. losing to his understudy in the NFC Championship game and a game he's favored in at home and the culmination of his entire experience as It wouldn't running-
1: even be close. It wouldn't even be close because when you're up 28 to three in the Super Bowl, you basically are sizing your finger up for the ring on the sideline already. But it's an offensive coordinator. In this game, you're going into it going, yeah, we think we're going to win, but it's not a foregone conclusion. 28 to three, foregone conclusion, you win. So the disappointment would be far greater. But it's not just what happened in the Super Bowl versus. You're losing
0: to an understudy a game, matter. your favorite. Like he
1: has lots of respect for Matt LaFleur. The reason that I was the first media member, uh, first lowly media member, I shall say, to say that Matt LaFleur would be the perfect head coach in Green Bay is because I knew yeah. how smart he was, and I knew how well he was working oh. for Kyle Shanahan and how much he learned from Kyle and how he was going to be able to use that information and succeed when he got an opportunity. And Joe. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, was a perfect opportunity. Honest
0: question. What would it take for us to go back and work in the front office of a football team? Except like for the dollars? the truckloads of money they would give you. Would you consider going so, to work in the front office of a team?
1: No, I'm, ve- I'm far too happy seeing your pretty face okay. Sunday night after my kids go to bed when the last thing on earth I want to do is talk on Skype to anybody <laughs> in the world. I just want to close my eyes and go to bed. I'm far too happy doing that to go and waste my time in the front office. Somewhere. All right. Touche. What, what about you? What about you?
0: I, it I think if, it depends on if – who would be hired as the head coach in the organization? I wouldn't just jump on anything because I've gotten offers to come work in front of us, but nothing has, like, excited me, and I'm like, I don't know those people. And I one thing I don't want to do in this part of my life is work with people I don't like. So if I don't know you, there's a high likelihood that I could not like you. I might like you, but I'd rather work. Like, when Josh McCown gets a head coaching job and he calls me and he says, Hawk, I want you to come work, I'm probably going to pack my shit up and go. And that's the honest-to-God truth. It won't matter the money because – That's my guy. I want to go do cool stuff with a guy that I trust, I think, knows it. And, you know, I would follow all over the place. Um, But I know I could do it successfully, man. I predicted the analytics coordinator role that the Browns are going to have this year. Five years ago.
1: I don't know what that means.
0: Yeah. So there's like, they want an analytics guy with a headset on during the game to basically help with the numbers. That's
1: why I kind of laugh at how up in arms people are about uh, analytics. The analytics person being on influence. a headset. The the Browns yeah. have had that for a while from from what I understand. No, but I don't know about I that. I can remember back to the Mangini days and he had somebody on the headset who maybe wasn't considered an analytics person, no, no, but he was that, helping with the in game decisions yeah, and making sure that they the guy coach was didn't screw it to up to the headset B, of the he other questions team. he could help him. What?
0: He had audio feed from the other team's headset. That was <laughs> that Mangini's was guy. <laughs> was not an analytics guy? Espionage guy. That was there the espionage go. coordinator. All right what do we got next, John?
2: AFC Championship Sunday evening, Titans at Chiefs. Am I tripping, or do the Titans need to actually pass for more than 100 yards this week to beat the Chiefs? Whew. Or can Derrick Henry just put the team on his back dough all the way to the Super Bowl?
0: I'm going to let Joe answer this, because all three of these questions I could throw away, because I don't think the Titans have a freaking chance in hell.
1: Here's what I'll say.
0: And I'm only saying that so they play me on the hype video (laughs) and that the Tomahawk show... Get it, we create the beef so we get the marketing. The I
1: like moment. that. Targeted beef. The whole goal of the Tomahawk <laughs> show this football offseason is targeted beefs. So, actually, why don't you guys call the Tomahawk hotline 440 628 1376? Give us who you think the Tomahawk show should start beef with in order yes. to raise our national profile. Yeah, it is. We were just talking about this, right? Uh, Colin coward, he targeted Baker Mayfield, understanding that Baker is one of the young, fresh faces in the NFL and starting a beef with him would be phenomenal because it gets people to listen to what you have to say when you beef with famous people. Skip Bayless. Nobody would know who that bum's name was if he didn't (laughs) always go on tirades against LeBron James constantly. His entire shtick is built around hating LeBron James and everything he does. So the Tomahawk Show, we need a high-profile beef. So please hit us up on the Tomahawk line and let us know who you think should be our targeted beef this offseason. I, I, don't think,
2: know. I think we're now beefing with Colin Cowherd and Skip Bayless after that. Yeah, that I would a, imagine that that would be a good
0: start. Um,
1: <laughs> That's a good start. Those are two of the top guys in national Joe's media a tough voices. one to beef
0: against. I would beef against Joe with no problem. I do it every day, and I actually enjoy my time as um, <laughs> the chief beefer against Joe. Um, but he's a tough guy for those other guys to beef against. When you have so much respect, it's hard for you to paint somebody in a bad light because it's like you, it's like a battle you can't win. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see who the who the fans give. And we'll organically start a beef. We don't mind. We don't care. We'll yeah, act we like it's beefs. real. We yeah, we're all into it. All right. So yes, they need to pass more than hundred yards.
1: <laughs> so I'm actually going to go no. I'm going to say if they pass for more than a hundred yards, they lose the game. Right. It goes back to the <laughs> old makes a stat. lot of sense here. This is what you guys got to give me a, a second to explain myself. Explain right. Joe. Explain, explain yourself. yourself. Explain yourself. Please rise. Part of session. Explain myself. Explain yourself. So if they pass for more than 100 yards, to me that means the game is probably close or they're behind. And if they get behind at all in this game, it's over. But if they're able to get out to early lead because of maybe turnovers or – Somehow they get the kickoff and they run it back for a touchdown, special team scores, or maybe or their they just equipment have doesn't come the first, in <laughs> first drive and uh, <laughs> the Chiefs don't have their equipment truck to show up on time and they are playing against air for a, a few drives. They have an opportunity to just ride Derrick Henry in that great offensive line and chew up time and keep it to like uh, 50 plays per team game. That's what they want. But it goes back to the old stat about if you run the ball more than 20 times in a game, your success of winning is like astronomical, right? And mm-hmm. I remember the media people would always go to this stat about, wow, you got to run the football to win in the NFL because if you run more than 20 times, the success rate for winning is huge. Well, you know why you run the ball more than 20 times in a game? Is when you have the lead in the fourth quarter. So that stat should also read, when you have the lead in the fourth quarter, you have a high chance of winning. Well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. But that doesn't <laughs> mean those the causation and the correlation is there there's no correlation between those two and so it's just like this if the titans are forced to throw the ball a bunch and get a lot of passing yardage a la the kirk cousins garbage time in the second half when you're behind mm-hmm. they will lose if they're able to have the lead the whole game and they don't make ryan Tannehill throw and he's throwing the ball fine i mean it's not like he's a bum but if they're
2: throwing the football though that means it's close or they're behind and
1: that means they're going to lose
2: mm. I love that take. The Titans need to pass for less than 100 yards to win. That is (laughs) piping hot. Hypothetical nonsense. Is Andy Reid on the hot seat if the Chiefs lose this game?
0: No, that's ridiculous. There's no way Andy Reid is in the hot seat.
2: Hawk could just see his media career dissipate between
1: his before his eyes if yeah. he would have said that Andy Reid is in the hot seat of the <laughs> Chiefs <laughs> lose. No, Andy Reid has done a phenomenal job. It really doesn't matter if he loses this game. Obviously, it's going to hurt his legacy if he loses this game because that's going to be the narrative. Oh, he can't win the Super Bowl. How many times has he been in the playoffs or been at the AFC Championship, which is ridiculous? The NFC Championship and and lost. He can't win the big game. But if he ever wants to put himself into that upper echelon of head coaches where people say he's a Hall of Fame coach, he's one of the greatest. Of all time, he needs to win a Super Bowl. He needs to get there yeah. a couple times, and he needs to win at least one.
0: And but he's not in the hot seat. He's not in the hot seat. They are. They he's beat one of the Bill greatest Belichick coaches. And they, in they the beat NFL. John Harbaugh, the other two top coaches in the NFL, on the way to going to Andy So if he did well, lose, he wouldn't be on the hot seat.
1: Here's your question, Hawk. Name the top five coaches in order right now in the NFL, in your opinion. Ooh, in order. Mm. In order. All right.
0: There's never a world where I can't put Belichick number one.
1: It's got to be. He's the best of all time.
0: Right. I'm gonna go two. Jeez, this is with no teams in front of me. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Andy Reid. I like Andy Reid at two. I like, I like Cal Sh- Shanahan at three. Mm. Drink. Mm. Um, I like Mike Tomlin at four, five. Carol.
1: Mm. So I like your okay. one and two. I'm okay. going to go Belichick, Andy Reid, but I'm throwing Pete Carroll in there. And okay. I know that could be controversial because Pete's been That's in two Super Bowls and, he, and, he, and he's, he's won one. So he's got a better Super Bowl resume than Andy Reid. But to mm-hmm. me, Andy Reid doing it in Philly and then totally resurrecting the the Chiefs franchise and just the moves that he's made with – Alex Smith and then getting rid of Alex Smith and drafting Patrick Mahomes and how they've just been steadily fantastic for a very, very long period of time going way back to when he was with the Eagles doing it with multiple quarterbacks to me says he's a better coach than Pete Carroll. Who's only done it with Russell Wilson. And that's Mm -hmm. part of the reason why I think Belichick is looking forward to playing maybe next year without Brady because the mantra and the, uh, the brand forever right now is Belichick has done it. With Brady, and some people will always say it because of Brady, and so he wants yeah. to prove that he can do it again with a different quarterback. So yeah. I've got Belichick, Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, then I've got Mike Tomlin, and mm-hmm. number five, Kashian. So we get the same five, you could argue, same top five, and a six is Sean Payton, he's he's like right there. Yeah. But being that he's had Drew Brees all these years Forever. and he's only won one Super Bowl and they've never been to another Super Bowl, it just feels like eh,
2: he yeah, should have been a able to do more with all of that.
0: We're a little disrespectful for not putting Sean, Sean Payton in the top five. I'm going to be honest with that.
2: What about John Harbaugh? It, Any case to be made? Yeah, yeah definitely a case he, to be made close. with John Harbaugh. But he
0: had some really, really down years. True. Not really down years, but, I mean Flacco wasn't good. I think John Harbaugh's a good coach because his ability to – to change up, you know, I still feel really good about this top five.
1: I I like John Harbaugh because of his leadership. And he is like the true, what everybody wants from a CEO head coach where Mm -hmm. he's going to hire the offense and defensive guys, and then he's going to stay out of their way, but he's going to hold them accountable. He's going to have discipline. He's going to structure practices, meetings. He's going to hold his players and his coaches accountable to a high standard. He is the prototypical CEO coach that everybody wants but I just put him a little bit outside, yeah. and there's some clear Kyle Shanahan bias going on here. Obviously. It's never yeah. even Come been on. to the Super Bowl as a head coach. Come on. We're putting him in our top five, and we accept Duh. that we're okay with Kyle Shanahan. We we're and Drake fine bias. with that.
2: There's actually yeah. more good we head just coaches like than I realized. Yeah. Zimmer, uh, Peterson, Vrabel, Lafleur, McVeigh.
0: Vrabel's in my top 10. And, and, this, and this is coaches, and we're not talking about the best coaches ever right now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, just if you like, did just that the, list, the it would just coaches. be the guys who won the most Super Bowls, and obviously, it's... If we were starting our teams right now and for the next three, four years, we had to get a coach, those are my top five coaches that I would consider.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: I got the Rooney rule. I'm all good. I'm set. I got to a, so, It's a good situation for head coaches going forward. Go. All right, what do we got next?
2: Third down, who you got? Titans, Chiefs, Hawk, you're taking the Chiefs? I'm going
0: Chiefs.
1: Yeah,
2: it's hard to explore. pick against the Chiefs. I just, uh, in spite of...
1: Of what I just said about uh, (laughs) Ryan Tannehill throwing for under 100 yards, that means they're going to win. That just tells you the likelihood of success for the poor Titans. They need to win the turnover battle by plus three. Mm -hmm. They need a special team score, and they need to play nearly flawless throughout the game. They don't have to be spectacular. I mean, they're going to have to run for 150. They're going to need
0: Derrick Henry to run for 180 in a fourth straight game.
1: Yeah. Here's, here's all the things that need to happen for the Titans to win this game. They need to have three sacks. They need to have plus three turnover margin. They need to have 150 yards or more rushing, and they need to get a score on special teams. If they can do those very few four things <laughs> and the easy w. things, they will win this
2: game. Watch them do it all. And still lose.
0: And still lose by oh. 16 when the Chiefs put up 68 points. All right, so next up, we're going to answer your listener questions or what we think are your listener questions it's time for our favorite segment trick plays, trick plays,
1: trick plays trick
0: play. oh we got to redo that one chris I mean, I mean this is the first time i mean you've been you got you missed on that one can i say that, is that wrong to say there was some off you know let's get back let's let's figure that one out i'm kidding that was awesome all right what do we got next john Tee us up.
2: Question one. Hawk, how do you feel about adding another accomplishment, executive producing an Oscar-nominated short film, to your prestigious resume?
0: Mm, It feels good. It's awesome. We've been saying we're Oscar-nominated here for a couple of years now, and I think that was just manifest destiny. I don't think that's the right term, but it was me manifesting that to actually come true. Yeah, Executive, executive producer on Hair Love, which is nominated for the best animated short at the Oscars. Um. So super exciting stuff, man. Who would have thought, man? That's crazy. So maybe you can
1: explain to me, do you get to go to the Oscars?
0: I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I just got off the phone with uh, the director and writer yesterday. You know, it's weird because there's so many people a part of these films, as you would imagine, right? And you really, from the Academy, only get like three tickets. And then the fact that Sony ended up coming on late, then they get a certain allotment and they have the certain connections. and And it's like, okay. I executively, I'm an executive producer, which means, you know, I was one of the first people to champion the film being made and what it stood for, and you know, help get attention around it, and and gave notes throughout the whole process. But then there's the actual animators, the actual directors, the actual say. writers, the actual people who are like, <laughs> you know, there in the day to day. So we'll see. It's not. I, I mean, it's it's fifty fifty right now whether or not I'm going to the Oscars. Because the other thing is. If it was just one ticket, I could. There's a high likelihood I would go. But I, so do I, I want to go to the Oscars without my wife? That is the question so I have to ask myself.
1: Hawk, you get three tickets to the Oscars because mm-hmm. you are the director, producer, and you wrote Hair Love. Uh-huh. Obviously, after obviously. what you've just said, that's yes. what I took out of it. That's what you got to. Who are the three people that you invite to the Oscars?
0: Oh man, I would have. But you to can take- invite
1: anybody. You don't have to invite just people you know.
0: It's me plus one. or I mean, is it me plus three or me plus two? It's you plus three. Me plus three. Because
1: you're going to win. You obviously get a ticket for the winner.
0: Right, right. So I'm I'm good. Um, Definitely my wife. You got to take your wife, right? Okay. So you got two more. My mom went to film school.
1: Your mom went to film school? I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, like later on in life. Like she went to film. So she literally just graduated last year from film school. She's 61. So like she you know, deep into the film world, loves it. Would it would be an incredible wow. experience for her to go cool. to the Oscars. Yeah. Um she might actually leapfrog my wife, to be quite honest. Cause my wife would be <laughs> like, You should take your mom if you got an <laughs> extra ticket. She would like Keisha would, would say she would she would think it was incredible. So that's number two. And number three would probably be i feel like
1: you got to go outside the family for number three yeah i was gonna big. say not like somebody you know but go big. right i'm gonna one, go with your side piece this is your this is your show piece that you're gonna be wearing yeah. on your arm probably
0: um brian hoyer i'm gonna take ray farmer since, <laughs> since he negotiated my contract to the Browns and it saved my life. It's either Ray Perfect. Farmer or Jimmy Haslam. One of those two are going with me to the Oscars for that. Tournament. I feel like
1: Jimmy wrote the check but it was Ray that decided that you yeah, should yeah, the yeah. check. Jimmy, so Jimmy, I would Jimmy didn't knock Ray. on my door. Now that yeah, is a great Ray answer. Got it.
0: Yep. Ray Farmer, you get to go to the Oscars. I'll be contacting you. All right. Next question.
2: Do you guys think that was a real question or a plan to producer question?
0: That was a real question.
2: Producer question. That was a real question. Yeah. yeah. You're good at least. this and I suck. <laughs> Question number two, what do you guys think of the Browns? This is, what do you guys think of the Browns hypothetically moving on from Baker Mayfield to try to get Cam Newton?
0: Moving on from Baker Mayfield to try to get Cam Newton. I love Cam Newton. I think he's had an incredible career to this point. I do think he still has some very good years left in him, but I don't think we've seen enough from Baker to jump ship and say that he is not the future. Like, you know, just from an age standpoint, it doesn't make sense to invest in somebody else when you haven't seen what the full potential of the guy you have is and the flashes of greatness you did see looked better than you've ever had really so I just don't think that makes sense even though I love Cam
1: I think that's idiotic I think Cam Newton right now is at a crossroads in his career where most of his career success has been because he has a great arm but he also has paired that with an ability to run the football and steamroll people but because of injuries and age, he's not exactly doing the same things with the football in his hand as a runner as he used to. But he's never developed himself as a true pocket passer. Like he's just not the type of guy who's going to survey the field and just pick apart a part of defense. He's agree. never been that guy. He's always waited until p- players get open and thrown him the football. And he could do that because he paired that with a great running ability. And so if you take a guy like Cam Newton right now, you're getting a guy that can't do any of the things that made him an MVP. And so getting rid of Baker Mayfield, who to me is still potentially one of the greats in the NFL. Now he's got some growing up to do. He needs uh, to progress his game and take the coaching and get a lot better. No doubt. Everybody knows that. But he still has the potential. He is a blank canvas right now that can still paint MVP and Super Bowl on it. And so there's no way you'd want to give him up for Cam Newton. So basically
0: he's younger. Go with Baker Mayfield because he's younger. Because Joe just said that Cam couldn't survey the field. He was an MVP. But go with Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield clearly if, surveyed if the field. Gonna if you were going to give me Cam Newton, John,
1: give me Cam Newton that's 27, and I would say you've got a chance in the next five years to win the Super Bowl. Right. But no, I right agree. now, Cam he's Newton younger. at 30 or whatever he is, 31, moving forward, I don't think Cam Newton wins the Super Bowl. No, I and agree. that's my deciding factor.
0: We agree on that. We we are saying the same things. We just we show our work a little different.
1: You were definitely you were definitely disparaging my take. I, I was disparaging. You just the, said was the exact same as your take.
0: Yeah, but you said the reason why is because he he can't survey the field, and I'm like, so what is Baker showing you to show that he can survey the field? That was well, my. Well, he's question. shown me that he's my thing was and that he can one is younger and, the, that. and with no injury concerns. That's why I went with Baker.
2: Do you guys think that was a real question or a producer question?
0: That was a dumb fake producer question. Producer question.
2: No, I'm. Say, hey, give me a little credit. Cam Newton. That was a that was a dumb listener question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't have boy. the names in front of you, but shout out to the listener. <laughs> sorry don't don't it. say that name on television. It yeah. <laughs> <He laughs> was a dumb
0: this idiot. Uh, shout out to at Kristen Forty Two <laughs> from Mayfield, that Georgia. That was actually an ad hoc one. By
2: the way, <laughs> there are no dumb questions. Only dumb Twitter handles. Question yeah. three. <laughs> When you guys are in line at the grocery store, do you put the stick down for the person behind you so they can put their groceries down?
0: Joe hasn't gone grocery shopping in upwards of two decades, number one. That's true. I don't
1: waste my time shopping anymore. It doesn't matter (laughs) if it's a paperclip. I'm ordering it on Amazon, and I'm having it delivered to my house because I don't have the time to waste. He's like, I don't know. Hold on. Let me text my grocery shopper that I have on salary. Just going to the store, it doesn't matter how close the store is, is a waste of an hour in your day. And when you've got four little kids, you have about two hours of free time to yourself every single day. And that two hours, the last thing I want to do is going to any store. So I I uh, ordered on Amazon. You can get Whole Foods, I think, delivers. Or you have Instacart. They can deliver whatever groceries you want. But if I were to go to the store, it's the responsibility mm-hmm. of the person behind to put, to put the stick front. down yeah. to divide Bad the question. person in front of
0: them from their order. Another dumb question. Yeah, you put the stick in front, and you let the other yep. person worry about the other back, the back end. Dumb producer question.
2: <laughs> Joe, producer or real question? Producer. No, that was what? another oh. listener question. Man, right, you're I really getting a sense of we're we're about, about every, every time you guys call him dumb, I'm just going to not read person's name because I don't want to call him out, but you know right. who you are.
0: But he also probably changes it. I mean, it's like, <laughs> when we say this is a dumb, stupid, idiot producer question, who the hell would ask this dumb question? He's like, oh, yeah, no, that's a listener. Crazy <laughs> listeners. They're wild. <laughs>
2: He's on to me. Question four. How often are you guys asked to be an investor, and have you ever made any bad investments?
0: That's definitely a producer question. Don't want to get ahead of the, cor- the <laughs> put the cart in front of the horse here. But I get asked to be an investor at least once a week.
2: You ever make any bad investments?
0: Yes. I have. I invested into this damn show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. You're still yet you to get it. paid, by the way. Two years in, and uh, I'm still waiting for that first paycheck.
0: Hey, man, it's going to be glorious going to be gonna 13 be million it's, it's adding up it's accruing interest
1: i'm smart yeah i hope so uh i would say that i don't get asked quite that much because i've said no so much that people just realize like i'm not throwing money at dumb stuff mm-hmm. uh with no business plan and no experience and have I ever made a bad investment of course i've made plenty of bad investments but none of them were like the uh seed fund like starter investment where hey give me a million dollars and i'm going to come up with a, a technology company or something and magic
0: um, being so i haven't, haven't I have a tech company if like you'd that. invest in. we'll talk later about that
1: yeah okay perfect
2: <laughs> real question or fake question fake That's dumb a, producer question uh, producer question no <sighs> another real question okay now this we, we got to start of discussing all producer Tim questions is not paying off Thank you, Tim Bates, for the good question. Number five.
0: Tim Bates from Facebook. He works for Facebook, and he asked that dumb question? No, he submitted the question on Facebook. No, I know. (laughs) It's not a dumb question, Tim, and I don't believe these are all listener questions. Now we got to have a third party coming to the trick play segment because I don't trust (laughs) Producer John. All right, next one.
2: Which skinny players would look the funniest if they got fat? Kind of like Joe Thomas, but in reverse. (laughs)
0: Skinny player who got fat.
2: Which skinny players would look the funniest if they got fat? I have one.
0: Johnny Manziel looked funny when he got fat because he was so skinny. He went from like very skinny. I don't, did Johnny get fat or I think he got really skinny? I think he did get fat for a second. He you know, liked the skinny fat thing we're talking about. We're up in the shoulders. You can't really tell till they take the shirt off and they're on the beach. and Paparazzi catches you.
1: John, are you going to tell us who, who you think? You, you teased it.
2: Oh, sorry. Uh, Darren Sproles. I think it would look really funny. I think if Darren Sproles gained 75 pounds, he'd look hilarious. It's
1: possible. The running back to put on way quick. If he gained 75 pounds, he would look so obese. It would be out outrageous because he's so short. Short guys don't gain weight well. Wow. That's why I think they would look funny. That's he look like Super Mario. I think Joe I looks one. funny. Uh Josh McCown. Yeah. I you know why? That. Because uh he already kind of looks like Ivan Drago, but he's pretty skinny. So if he got like a little bit heavier, I think he would just look like the the most badass like movie killer/slash boxer of all time. <laughs> if he was like 270, he would he would look like the a henchman from any movie from any. you could possibly imagine that needed Brilliant. like the uh Eastern, Northern European white guy with the like crew, crew cut or flat top blonde hair Strong and the hair. square jaw
2: with a little bit of chub.
0: That's a dumb producer question. I'm going to say dumb producer question until I get it
2: right. Producer yeah. question. That was another real question from Stop it, He's Spooky just Jeff oh my on Twitter. He's definitely. I'm telling you, we got up. so many great questions this week that I didn't have to add many, if any.
0: They're only dumb if you ask them, John. To any say, listeners listening, we're, we're not calling your questions, questions dumb. We only think the questions John asks are dumb.
2: I accept that. Last one: What does Little Hawk (parentheses Austin) think of the new Browns head coach, and what did he think about Freddie?
0: I was thinking about this earlier today when I seen this in the rundown, and I'm like, man, this is definitely a dumb producer question. Um, just kidding. That's, I think that's a listener question, but we'll get to that in the appropriate part of the segment. I was thinking about this with Austin earlier and he is seven years old. Mm. Okay. He became a Browns fan in the golden year of 2014. Kyle Shanahan was the office coordinator drink. Since he's been a Browns fan in 2014, he is on his fourth head coach. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It's his fault. (laughs) He's the one. I was thinking about it, like, what was it? Because I remember when I introduced him to Coach Pettin, like as the coach of this team, right? And he was used to Marvin Lewis. And then I remember when Hugh Jackson, and it was like, oh, we got a new coach. And then I remember when he's like, oh, they kept Freddie Kitchens. It was a little less excitement. But now the dude is just already at seven years old indifferent to who's the head coach of the Browns because he's on his fourth head coach already and we do it so much it's normal to him so there was literally no reaction it was like oh cool and we'll see what happens
2: technically his fifth head coach with Greg Williams
0: yeah yeah technically Te- but we don't count interims you can't count interims it's
2: like the winningest head coach in Brown's history <laughs> true
0: <laughs> true true very true so yeah that's he's all in though he's just like he's like every other Browns fan like eh. yeah If he does it, awesome, but I'm already scouting the next guy.
2: Did you share that photo of Austin with the Browns gear, or was that just internal? Or was that on Twitter? Did I see that?
0: Yeah, you see it on Twitter. I put it on Twitter. How he sleeps with Browns blankets. Do you think there's anything that Hawk
1: doesn't
2: put out there for
1: the social sphere?
0: People think I I share a lot on Twitter. The man is a social media whore. But I actually don't share any of my real life on social media. Hmm. Like, it's like such an abbreviated version. You get what I want you to get, Joe. But,
2: I mean, I've seen your house on social media. seen your kids. Some people don't even share that much. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: my kids are, you know, I share that much, but not like what is actually going on. Right. Like, very rarely do I ever share Instagram stories in real time. So, typically, if you see Instagram stories, I've recorded the whole stories, and I'm putting it out days later.
2: That's why all those workout videos are fake.
0: They're all, they weren't in real time. Mm. They were probably a day late, because I never want people to, like, we're sick, man. You Hawk,
2: know, Hawk works out at 11 a.m. and then posts it at 4:30 a.m. the next <laughs> right. day.
0: Exactly. I'm sleep. Do you guys think the Austin auto auto post?
2: Do you guys think the Austin question was a real question or a fake producer question? Uh, I'm switching up my strategy. I'm saying that's a
1: fan question.
0: I'm going fan question as well.
1: That's a real. No, question. you only did that because that's what I said, yeah. so you can keep your commanding one guest lead. No, I did it because I got
0: that people tweeted me that, so I can. I can go to it and be like, look, someone did ask that.
2: It's a real Instagram question from Real Sub. So I had one producer question in here, but it was about Lou Keekley. So I cut it. So these were all real questions. Six for six. Thank you, Tomahawk. All
0: right. I went two and five. Joe, what would you go?
2: There were six questions. Uh, I was one and oh, six. Know. Two and four. So I was one behind you. I don't do pitiful bad, performance.
0: All right. Well, as long as I beat you, that's all that counts. That does it for this episode of The Tomahawk Show. Appreciate everyone joining in, Joe. What are your final thoughts, man? I should have written them down because I forgot them. Yeah, well, that's perfect. Welcome to the CTE episode of the Tom Hawk Show. Make sure you tune in next time. Love you guys. Joe Hawk yourself. (laughs)